So this is probably the fourth time that we've tried to start this podcast already. We're a little bit distracted this time. It's, you know, the chaos from last week, it's bleeding into the chaos from this week. <laughs> In new and exciting ways. Ooh! <laughs> and I feel like I'm still, like, riding the high of this week's Nintendo Direct. A bit, a bit. But welcome back to ThoughtCast, the video game and anime podcast. I'm John. And I'm Allie. And this week, we actually have some guests with us. You may recognize their names once they introduce themselves, because I may have brought them up for almost every single podcast that we've ever recorded. So <laughs> I didn't know I was famous. <laughs> famous on the, on the podcast. <laughs> but could you introduce yourselves? And like just so that anyone listening kind of gets a vibe for what you enjoy, what's like a game and, like, an anime that, like, really defines, like, your case, you know? Sprinkle in some zest there. You don't have to choose this one. You could you could name a couple. Or a bunch. Yeah. yeah. It, whatever works. I'm gonna get up real close. <laughs> Hi. Uh, I'm Andy. John paid me $35 to be on this podcast today. Uh, if I, uh, it better be worth it. I haven't heard of a video game. No. Uh, if I had to pick a favorite game... Metal Gear Solid series, I think. And then anime would be like, a Mobile Suit Gundam is the safe pick, right? Like, yeah. I either alienated a lot of people or just got like people perked up. Yeah. Mm. It's a very niche, <laughs> it's a very niche thing to bring up. <laughs> Coin toss. Coin toss, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I'm Nicole. I'm probably, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the creepy guest because all my, all, my <laughs> oh my picks, all my picks are like horror related. I would say Resident Evil 4 or Silent Hill 2 for my favorite game. And my favorite anime, Jujutsu Kaisen. So both of them have pretty, pretty creepy, creepy spooky vibes. All the things that would make me cry. I bring some cry. spice, some zest. No, John says some zest. I just zested some lemon. If, if you're a big, zested some lemon. If you're a big John Thoughtcast fan, it's oh. like the Miss Frizzle. It's like we're going on a field trip today. Oh. We're going outside the wheelhouse. We're the Carloses of the Magic School Bus. <laughs> but the reason we wanted to bring Nicole and Andy onto the podcast specifically is because. This week, we really want to talk about timeless games in anime and, like, what makes something specifically timeless. Yeah, so if you were going by the dictionary definition, it would be not restricted to a particular time or date. And the example that they give is a movie that is just as popular and relevant today as it was in 1950 is an example of a timeless movie. But, you know, we can blur the lines there. You can give reasoning on why you think something is timeless and make it a little bit different, make it a little bit zesty. So, you know, we'll, we'll figure it out. And so I guess my question is, is like, we'll start with games. Um, What's a game that you guys specifically feel like is timeless? Like, for example, for me, I feel like the timeless game is... Super Mario Bros. 3 on the original NES. Wow, that's a decent pick. I'm not, I'm not going to dispute it. Because, because, <laughs> it is the perfect platformer, and I'm just going to say that outright. It's the perfect platformer, because you have secrets mm-hmm. everywhere. Mm-hmm. The gameplay's flawless. It mm-hmm. looks good to this day mm-hmm. for what it is. Sure. And I feel like whether you're new to platformers whether you're returning you can always enjoy that game i mean not sure don't like platformers but like you know hold on because i've received a phone call and it's from crash bandicoot (laughs) oh (laughs) he would like to have words no i'm kidding i think yeah like super mario 3 if you want to talk about like a perfect side scroller Mm -hmm. a game that you could put in the hands of a kid just starting to learn games Mm -hmm. and be like play this kid and they would still enjoy i would say they'd even enjoy it yeah. Like, not just that they'd be able to play it and get it, but they would, like, really be happy with it. Yeah. Because I feel like that's what, ti- like, in my mind, that's what something timeless is, is something that, if it were released today, would it still be enjoyable? Or would it be like, uh, this feels ancient? Right. That's the hardest part of, like, talking about Because timeless film 
And timeless TV is a little hard, but timeless film is easier because it's like people worked within the constraints so well that you didn't realize how cutting edge it was for the time. Yeah. So you could still watch something like Citizen Kane and you would get it because it looks very modern still in some yeah. respects. But games, it's like you can't sell a game not looking good. <laughs> like you can't, you can't be like, well, if you think about it, it's like a game lives or dies by all the culminating parts of it. And they're so born in their time. Mm-hmm. That's tough. I would say one of the timeless video games, controversial, Final Fantasy VII. Oh. Really? I really think so. I really think so. And you're giving me heat because she saw me start to replay it and I only did like two hours. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of history with this game. Don't you remember? <laughs> romantic history. A lot of romantic history. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's a game where the mechanics, like, I think people upplay graphics so much. Yeah. Like, graphics are important. I'm not going to pretend they're not. And sometimes graphics break a game. Like, you're like, I just can't buy into it. Yeah. But if someone knows how to fit their aesthetic into the graphical constraints, Mm -hmm. then they can still make something that you can still appreciate, and then you just go, like, colorblind to it after a while. Mm -hmm. Or noseblind or whatever, and you're just like, okay, I'm just playing the game. And to me, it's like, Final Fantasy looks good enough that you can just like after an hour you're like whatever it just looks how it looks and then the mechanics speak for themselves and the story and kind of like how it plays out Mm -hmm. it's just a great game and you can play it in so many different ways yeah like i was introduced to it on the psp right yeah and it worked great on that on console it's great and like the relevance has never dipped right they're still releasing final fantasy 7 it's a 25 fifth anniversary this year of final fantasy 7 and it's still a big deal specifically for that game not like obviously final fantasy is big and like 14 and 15 and whatever but like that game in particular has not died and i feel like i agree that's a testament you're literally wearing an Aerith shirt i am (laughs) i I realized that as i was saying that but it's a game that's so important that like i'm pretty sure that the hd re-release on modern consoles has the trophies yeah it definitely has achievements which, like, they don't do for games. Mm-hmm. Like, they don't just bring back a 25-year-old game and be like, here's a trophy list for it. Like, that's something that's, like, culturally important. Yeah. And, yeah, we have played enough. Like, it is the greatest, like, pick. But Yeah. I mean, dude, sometimes it deserves it. Yeah. Wait, it came out on PlayStation, right? Like, the yeah. remake? Yeah, PlayStation. Yeah. Or, or the remake came out, yeah. I'm sorry, I'm talking about the re-release, where they just, like, they up it, and that's it. Yeah. I will say, as a game dev... <laughs> oh! Oh! <laughs> You do have to launch with trophies on PlayStation now. Really? Yeah, you have to launch with, at least with all of our games and all of the ones that I know friends who have worked on, you have to launch with trophies. Uh, yeah, but it's Sony's game, though. I mean, yeah. I'm just but... fighting with just to fight with her. This is <laughs> yeah. a recurring theme in our... In our... <laughs> <laughs> that is my friendship with Andy. It's true. <laughs> But you do have to launch with trophies. And I, I remember that being something that we weren't aware of at first. That's really interesting. Because I'm an Xbox gamer. I'm not afraid to admit that. I'm sorry. <laughs> but like... <laughs> <laughs> but like when Knights of the Old Republic re-released, and that was like one of the games that made Xbox like back in yeah. the day. It was like a claim to fame, their only game. Uh, they didn't do anything for it. Like they didn't re-update with achievements or anything. They just up it and sent it into the wild. So it is very like... It's curious that that game means enough that it went cross-platform, mm-hmm. and the other platform was like, well, we gotta put a list out for it, too. So, yeah. yeah. it's kind of my point. To give my own example of a timeless game, I mean, we already knew this. We already saw this coming. It's gonna be Chrono Trigger. Duh. I mean, like, yes. I'm obsessed okay. with that game. Word. I, I just... The pixel art is beautiful. I've never seen anything better. I just... I can't. It, the music itself, it's timeless. The, I, I just don't know. People, when they saw in the Nintendo Direct, when they saw that Chrono Cross was coming back, almost every single comment was, but what about Chrono Trigger? And, I mean, that speaks for itself. <laughs> Which, Chrono Trigger, I think, is an interesting case because that's one game that I never want them to remake like remaster but the ds is pretty much the perfect version of that game as is like just like scaling it sure sure scaling it to like a tv definitely like putting it on some like the switch online or whatever like i think that that would be good but i think chrono trigger is one of those examples where don't touch it like never touch it don't remake it because i feel like something would be lost in translation i think like final fantasy 7 remake works because there's so much that 
Final Fantasy VII is like an amazing game just in and of itself. Sure. But like it's a 3D game. It was constrained to the hardware. And right. so being able to see places like Midgar really like fully actualized is amazing. Right. Whereas Chrono Trigger, I feel like everything was so well actualized with the pixel art that they had available to them. I don't think it would actually be beneficial to that game or that world if they were to make it bad. You know what I mean? And I think it's funny that you're saying it's timeless because that whole game is about going across like <laughs> time periods. and True, true. Wow. Another thing that plays into what I think is timeless and just like that whole idea is TV tropes. They have this whole idea that is Seinfeld is unfunny. That's what they refer to it as. Which basically that whole idea that they have boils down to that media that was revolutionary for its time now can look sometimes bad in comparison to more modern versions of it because the more modern versions have copied the revolutionary ideas and then improved upon them. So when I was thinking originally of games that I thought were timeless, I was like, well, duh, Harvest Moon. I mean, that's great. But then you look at Stardew Valley and they've improved heavily upon the entire Harvest Moon system. So there's only a couple games, maybe from Harvest Moon, like maybe you can make an argument for Friends of Mineral Town, but like a lot of them have been improved upon with Stardew Valley. So can I say that they're timeless? I don't really know. But Chrono Trigger, I don't think that anyone has really improved upon the functions of Chrono Trigger so intensely that Chrono Trigger wouldn't be viewed as timeless still. Yeah. Like, it, it is a masterpiece of the SNES. And I feel like a lot of SNES JRPGs with the amazing pixel art just translate really well to the modern day and just hold up in, like, their essence. Obviously, like, their mechanics, you know, Breath of Fire 2 is rough, but... On the whole, I think they still look amazing, play amazing, and their stories still, like, stand true, which is why I think SNES is still one of the best systems for JRPGs, just naturally. PS4 is, like, really up there now, but (laughs) I digress. (laughs) (laughs) Nicole. Yes. I was going to say, I do not know Chrono Trigger at all, but I was going to say, like, how important is, like, art style and like maybe even like voice acting like the specific parts like how timeless do they have to be to make the whole thing timeless because in my opinion pixel art is like something that's already reached almost it's like maximum like you can't make pixel art any different you just like have to keep it pixelated it's going to be timeless forever in my opinion like anything that's pixel art is already timeless if you put it in like a movie yeah they're gonna think or like if you put like a video game that is pixel art in the movie it's already like like diluting the time period of that movie. Like if you put it in something like It Follows, if anyone's seen that, that's Heck like yeah. that. That's that, horrifying. <laughs> that movie tries to be timeless and like dreamlike. And if it's a pixel pixel game in that movie, it fits perfectly. But then there's like things like Endgame, which is the Marvel the Marvel movie Endgame. They put like Fortnite in it, so that instantly dates it, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like Fortnite mm-hmm. dates it so heavily that like it's just like baffling that they would even put it in there. That Fortnite is already so dated. But well, like, you know like, why they put pixel, it in. Yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> and like cut a fat check. But like I think pixel art and like super pixelated polygon aided <laughs> games are just timeless because it like just your brain fills in the gaps. Yeah. So, like, that's why my pick would be Silent Hill 1 or 2, because the monsters in that game are just, like, your imagination fills in everything for it. Silent Hill 1 especially. Like, it just makes it makes full extent of the atmosphere and the voice acting is just so, like, dreamlike, so, like, escape from reality that you just, like, feel like you're in a different world. Yeah. But anything that tries to be super realistic or, like, I don't know, just like dating it in any way. It's just automatically not timeless. So yeah. timeless almost can't be realistic. I don't know if there's any games that you guys think that are realistic but are timeless. Can I can I can I jump in here? Yeah. yeah. I like the very NPR approach. <laughs> yeah. John has his, his knee fold over and he gave me a look when I he was like, yes. Yeah, no, no, I didn't I did no. I was just like looking back at anyways. No. No, um, I I went with Final Fantasy as a safe pick because all my other picks when we were talking about doing this are controversial. Okay. And I think, like, what Nicole is talking about with, like, the whole art style thing, like, yeah, Pixel's going to look great. 
yeah. forever, pretty much. If you if the style is consistent. Yeah. Because like obviously everything ages, and you can look at bad pixel art and good pixel art. So it's like, but the weird thing now is that gaming is really young. Yeah. I would say na- gaming is a suit like. You can go back to the 70s, I know, with, like, gaming. But, like, the mainstream idea that all these developers are doing different things, it's a culture. It's only, like, 30 years old, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know? it's it's young. Like, it's and very young. So, like, if you think about movies, 30 years after, 30, 40 years after they're made is when, like, movements begin and people, like, splinter and try different things. Gaming is kind of in that where people like going back to the polygonal, like, very lo-fi and people like going back to pixel. So, it's, like... To me, what's a timeless game? Man, I think Peace or like Metal Gear Solid 2 looks great still. Yeah. You know, but there are people that would look at Peace Walker and be like, well, this fits kind of this polygonal, like indie game movement that people love now. So it like yeah. its graphics get like a, it's like almost like a second life, you know, not like it holds up, but it like yeah. re-enters this stage of looking good in its own way. Yeah, and I think that that makes sense because you know, there I feel like there are games that with their graphics, they try so hard to be one thing and almost uh, groundbreaking from when the hardware was. Like, yes. let's call a spade a spade. Twilight Princess. This is something that Oof. you mentioned, Allie. Yeah. Uh, Twilight Princess, when it came out on the Wii, I was like, this is the best looking Zelda game I have ever seen. But... <laughs> looking back on it it's still like the environment design is still fun the dungeons are still great the gameplay is still really enjoyable but you look at some of the characters and some of the choices that they made and you're like oh this they tried to go with that really realistic kind of look right yeah and i don't think that aged well while in comparison a game like the legend of zelda wind waker you could go back to the GameCube version of that. I will die on the hill of Woodwaker. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it still looks great. Absolutely, it does. It does. And like they re-upped it with the HD remix or whatever they call it. I, I think I just Kingdom Hearts it, but like <laughs> um, they have the HD version, and yeah, that definitely looks better. Right. The GameCube one still holds up, and absolutely. I just say that the environment in that still looks better than Legends Arceus. Like, I didn't know this was a shots fired kind of podcast. I love Legends Arceus. I'm like 60 hours in it already. I know, I know. But like... <laughs> it's funny because your thing of Twilight Princess, I thought the same thing when I first saw it. Yeah. And it's so funny to look back at that because I, I, like when you're in middle school, I had this thing conversation about like Gears of War 2. Yeah. Where you're playing it in 2008 and you're like, games are never going to look better than this. And you look at it now and you're like, oh, is it so brown? And it's like, <laughs> it's insane. And people thought that about like, you know, like PlayStation 1 games. Yeah. At the same time, people were playing GoldenEye and they're like, I know, which I know isn't PlayStation 1 for the record. But <laughs> if you were playing GoldenEye, you'd be like, games aren't going to look better than this. So it's yeah. super weird. And Ali, yeah. you had mentioned, sorry to... Uh, no, put, put me on the spot. Put, <laughs> I'm putting you on the spot. You had mentioned, uh, like, Chrome Cross is huge for you. Yes. How do you feel like that has aged? Oh, terribly. Yeah. It looks so bad. (laughs) And it was on PlayStation 1. And even with the Nintendo Direct, I... I, I love them so much. I really do. But it does not look that much better. It really doesn't. Yeah, the lines are sharper. The lines are almost <laughs> sharper. Like, the, the polygons are almost more well-defined, and there are not more of them. They're just better-defined polygons. So it really doesn't look that much better. <laughs> but but I feel like that's a game that, when it came out on PS1, would boggle your mind with how surreal the graphics are. Oh, like, yeah. don't they have... I saw in the Nintendo Direct, we played it when we were in college together. Yeah. It's, like, surrealist. Maybe I'm pulling from the wrong art style, but, like, surrealist paintings almost as, like, backgrounds. Oh, my gosh, you do listen to me. Oh, yeah. yeah, I got it right. Nice. W. Yeah. That's a big W. They do a lot of surrealism, yes. So, yeah, there is an entire section of the game where it's all very modern art, very surrealism. And it, I mean, that part of the game, when they did show it during the trailer, it looks really good. But everything else, where they're trying to depict these more, I don't know, like, realistic looking Mm -hmm. characters, yeah, that... mm, 
Kid and Surge, yeah, they don't look that much better. <laughs> yeah, but I do think that there is something to be said about there is a resurgence of like these more stylized, like almost PS one y kinds right. of graphics. Yeah, yeah. And like some PS one games like didn't age the best just by nature of what they were trying to do on that system. Yeah. Never I don't think that they were trying to especially at that time when gaming was so young, be like, let's future proof this game. Right. Whereas I think games now, you know, like games like Call of Duty, I don't think that's future proof. I think no. the current Call of Duty, it's not going to look good in three years. Breath of the Wild, I keep going back to Zelda because I just feel like it's a good kind of representation. It weirdly is a good benchmark for where the industry is at. Yeah. What, like by which one is your like point to? Breath of the Wild is a little bit future-proof because they, they're going more in these stylized, cell-shaded, like, Wind Waker-y kind of... Obviously, it looks very different from Wind Waker, but I feel like the design intention of it... And I feel like we're talking about appearance a lot, but I feel like they're kind of leaning more into that kind of vibe with Breath of the Wild so that it still looks good. Right. And it will always look good. You know, Skyward Sword... Say what you will about their character models and the gameplay and whatever, but it looks good, even the Wii version, in my opinion. Whoa. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> so we've been talking a lot about appearance of games up to this point, but what else kind of makes like a piece of media feel timeless to you? Because I feel as though a lot of times stories, you know, especially in JRPGs, like, old games, I feel like the dialogue and the story can immediately date a game. I joked about talking about this. Okay. And I'm sorry. Yes. Now it's time to talk about Halo for a while. (laughs) (laughs) I legitimately think, like, Halo 1, 2, and 3 are as close to a timeless shooter you're probably going to get. Yeah. Um, For what you said, which is, like, purely mechanically based, and, like, level design plays a huge part in it, but, like, I was, weirdly enough, listening to some nostalgia podcast where they were talking about the first Halo. And they said that the thing that breaks it, because it looks decent, like we said, like, they may look stylized within their constraints. Yeah. You know, like, the aesthetic, the story, like, it all comes together. But the problem is that the level design is really bad in Halo 1. And you're backtracking yeah. a lot. Yeah. You know, so I think that's, like, a huge, like, how mechanics fit makes or breaks it. Because going colorblind... Mm-hmm. is fine in the game. Like, with graphics-wise, you can, like, I can ignore this. But when a game has bad mechanics, dude, like, that makes it break. That cuts it. Yeah. Like, if, like, I'll walk away from a game if I'm like, I don't like this. Like, I just shut off. Yeah. And I, I 100% agree. If the mechanics did not age well, like, I was talking about Super Mario Bros. 3 earlier. It's right. Mario. The, the mechanics are gonna be solid. And they're, like, they're rock solid in that kind, in that game in particular. Right. But if you go to another kind of game, you know, uh, going to the PS2, something like Sly Cooper, you know, mm-hmm. one of my favorite platformers of all time, mechanics, in my opinion, hold up really, really well. A game that doesn't hold up really, really well is something more along the lines of Dot Hack. Dot Hack is the better version, if you're not familiar, of Sword Art Online. Controversial take there. <laughs> Whoa. Is it still controversial though? I, know, I, I feel know. like we've come to terms with Sword Art Online, isn't it? I feel like you know what I mean? if you like it, you like it. If you don't, you exactly, don't. It, it is exactly. it is what No it is. one's lying anymore about how good or bad <laughs> yeah. Sword Online is. I mean, to be fair, when I was looking up for inspiration of anime. One of the ones that was listed on one of the websites I looked at, can't remember which one, wish I could call them out right now, but they said Sword Art Online. So there are people who truly believe. There's people. Funnily enough, there are two Sword Art Online games. Did you guys know that? I did know. I did know that there were two. I knew that there was at least one. Yeah. But like, Dot Hack, the mechanics of the original four Dot Hack games, which I have right behind me. Yeah, I'm looking at them. Yeah. Terrible. Absolutely I try and go back to it, and I play it because I, you know, nostalgia trip. And but that's the only thing that brings me back to it is because really? I played it as a child. Looks terrible. Voice acting's bad. <laughs> like the mechanics are awful. Like it's just really tough to play. 
And so I'm, I would never, it's a game that I would never recommend to someone and be like, right. you're going to have a great time with right. this. But like that just, that is what it is. And so like all that to say, I, I fully agree. Like mechanics right. make or break a game because while it may have been fun during the PS2 era, which was just the wild west of video games where they were just throwing everything at the 3D wall and seeing what stuck, a lot of them are tough to go back to. Hmm. But like what you said when you were like Call of Duty ages like milk, like shooters are just exist for you to have fun with and be kind of brain dead. Yeah. So like shooters are hinged entirely on like newer is better. Mm-hmm. Like you, I don't think you can go back to hardly any of them except for very like cases like Halo, very like isolated kind of in their own bubble. Mm-hmm. I would say another case would be Resident Evil Four because oh. I push up my glasses. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little nerd. Um, I was gonna say it. Like, a lot of games that I like that are old, they just don't feel smooth to play. So as much as I love them, I can't say that they're timeless. Like, The Witcher 1, maybe I'll say The Witcher 3 might be sort of timeless one day when we, like, age out and, like, see how it holds up. Mm-hmm. But Witcher 1, already, like, like 10 years old, it, it sucks to play <laughs> as much as I love it. Um, but something like Resident Evil 4... It feels mechanically very good to play to the point that there are people like speed running it daily every single day, getting viewers, getting people who love the game to watch it. And also the story is kind of timeless where it's just cliche, but it embraces it. Mm-hmm. So like everything pretty much matches up to make to make it timeless. Mm-hmm. Um, but the mechanics are definitely a very good part of it. The AI has to be, if there is AI, if if the AI is not fun to play against, it's not timeless, because then you just feel like you're just, like, punching the game <laughs> repeatedly and, like, <laughs> just shaking, the face. <laughs> shaking it for, like, lunch money. That's how it feels. <laughs> yeah. like, Stay down. Resident 4 feels like you're, it's just, like, a genuine challenge. So, like, the challenge is also, I think, like, if, if, if a game is timeless, you have to. It has to feel like engaging and like you're using your brain, you're using your your hand eye coordination. You're not just like sitting there staring for nostalgia's sake, just to the work of the day. Yeah. Engaging. Oh, I thought you were going to say engaging. Well, nostalgia is a big part of it. Does Does nostalgia cloud our vision? That's a question. Like the NPR. I mean, like one game that I have, oh, gosh, a lot of nostalgia for is. Ocarina of Time. Could mm. I say that it's timeless? I'm gonna say this is controversial, but mechanically, no. The OG Nintendo 64 version of Ocarina of Time, not any remaster, it doesn't hold up because it's so obnoxious. There are no, no don't, Whoa. Andy's giving me a look. Really? I. It doesn't feel timeless to me because if they released it today, People uh-huh. would be like, there's absolutely no quality of life. There's no quality of life. You have to go and hit the start button and m- go through and add in your That's three true. items. And I mean, even just those iron boots alone. Yeah, it's true. No, you're it's right. It's pretty bad. You're totally right. But once they did the remasters, especially on the 3DS, it, it got a lot better. 3DS version, I could say that that one's timeless. But before the quality of life updates, if that game came out today, especially from Nintendo AAA Studio, not an indie studio, if an indie studio came out with Ocarina of Time, people would be like, this is crazy. I can't believe an indie studio that's did this. A, listen, this is nuts. The bias towards indie studios, that's a conversation for another day. That is like a nuclear take, like a war zone kind of take. Or like war zone kind of episode, because that's controversial. You're, I think you're right, because quality of life, because I know someone who was talking about the other day that they they were playing it again for nostalgia's sake, and they were like, some things I was so lost, and I would Google it, and I'd be like, what I have like it's so out of order the way yeah. some quests line up, some dungeon stuff. I, I totally get it. Yeah, I still think there's just this is the problem too is that this conversation is so clouded with nostalgia. Yeah, that you yeah. want to just be like, no way, man, and then be like, you know, like it's like, no, what do you mean? Everyone loves Ocarina of Time because it's almost like if you don't love ocarina of time you're all if and you say that on the internet which like a lot of people just genuinely do but so many people will be like it's the perfect game what are you talking about i think it is 
God's gift to the earth. <laughs> no offense, and this is something I noticed, and I, I apologize to the ThoughtCast listeners out there. Because, like, the line of influence between this room is so clear. Like, just that we all play different games, yeah. and it feels like, like where we're coming from is, like, two different worlds, which makes great for discussion material. Yeah. But... Like, I would say that most Zelda people are like that, period. If you say yeah. that you're like, I don't like this about Zelda game, people are like, um... When, <laughs> to the gulag. When God, <laughs> when God gave Abraham the tablets, <laughs> he also gave him the blueprint for Legend of Zelda, so shut your mouth, kid. You know, like, like Legend, of Zelda, <laughs> Legend of Zelda definitely has that reputation. Yeah. Which, like, it's a great series. Like we said before. Yeah. You can't, like, we probably wouldn't have games the way we do now without... Zelda in some way. Yeah. But, you know. It, yeah, but then it's the Seinfeld thing. Have other games come out that have taken the blueprint that The Legend of Zelda gave them right. and done better to the point where The Legend of Zelda no longer is timeless because it has such bad quality of life. In some of them. Some of them. Not but, every single one. But I'm going to add I'm gonna add something else. I talk a lot on the show. I'm sorry. But how dare you? I'm gonna I'm gonna offer another theory because the Seinfeld is unfunny trope is like it's a real theory. Yeah, but I'm gonna also consider another theory. Okay. Oh, Oh. the people are stupid theory. (laughs) And what I mean here is no, but like there's an old George Carlin quote where he said like think of the dumbest person you know and then realize that like half the country is dumber than that guy. And he says it in a much more vulgar way. But, like, there are people that still think Friends is legitimately funny. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Sorry, Friends fans. But, like, there are people that I think just, like, aren't going to get it. And then there are people that are going to get it. It's, like, the most subject, like, the timelessness is the most subject- no, yeah. subjective argument ever. Because you can find the perfect game and give it to someone and be like, no, I don't get it. It looks bad. Yeah, and you're like, like you just want to strangle Because it does just completely come down to taste. Yeah. Because... Nicole, you talk about Resident Evil. You know, I can't. Pl- world. I can't play Resident yeah. Evil for a number of reasons, mostly because they make you me cry. I'm pretty sure they would make John faint if we describe Resident Evil accurately enough. I tried. Pl- well, I didn't try playing. I should put an asterisk. I I watched my former roommate Tyler play. Well, name drop. <laughs> Dropping it. Um, I've done it to you. Yeah. But um, I watched him play, was it Seven? Is that Seven's b- brutal. Is that Biohazard? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, that game, literally, just like the demo portion of it. Like, I watched him play more than that, but like, just the demo, just the beginning bits, I'm like, I can't sleep for three weeks. That demo is a legitimately great. Yeah. We should do another episode just on demos. Honestly? <laughs> demos really Let us know if you want that. Leave a comment. Demos <laughs> are really fun. Especially when it's not just like a piece of the game taken. Like, because sometimes some games have demos yes. that are like the, its own. Th- uh, that Again, that's a whole nother. That's a the whole vertical slice rap. argument. But dude, I'm telling you, there are some vertical slices where you're like... Like, people know, they're like, this is the perfect level to show someone. It's like yeah. how some TV shows and some animes are like, you know, the show falls in a linear format, but you can find one episode where, like, this has the best of the series, and it's also the most accessible. And if I want someone to watch this, I just show them this episode and be like, this hooks you. This gives you enough. Which, I have a question. Yes. John, unless you wanted to finish off the thought. No, go for it. Um, do you think... A- first person game could be timeless because I have been sitting here trying to think of a first person game that is timeless and I couldn't first because it should be easier right to like insert yourself into it but at the same time maybe it makes it harder because it's if it doesn't line up with you you'll never like click with it I feel you'll never be like if you play it once like it's already I don't know it was I feel like I personally very much dislike the game Skyrim, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, I, I'm really, that, that's, <laughs> such a, that's such a no. negative way to no. like start that. But I feel like Skyrim could at some point be considered a game that you could just go back to and play for a long period of time because just it released in 2011. And it's still part of the conversation of games that people play consistently. Todd Howard won't let it go. 
But like, is it timeless or I, is it just fun? I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Is there a difference all the time? Like, Ooh. you know, if people still enjoy going John. back to so John is ascending the oh. conversation. He's like, is there a difference? John's popping the orb. John, <laughs> oh my god! If a game is still bringing in new players that enjoy the game. 11 years out from when it was made, or 20 years out, or 30 years out. Like, Final Fantasy VII is still bringing in new people who are coming to love it. Legend of Zelda, the older games, newer generations, younger people still love a link to the past on the SNES. With a game like Skyrim, again, I don't like it personally, but it's hard to deny that it's one of the biggest games, just in general. Like, could that be a first-person game that could stand the test of time and people would continue wanting to go back to? Or when there's a new Elder Scrolls game, will it just be like, okay, like that, that meme where Andy throws away Woody in favor of Buzz? <laughs> Dude, John's spitting right oh. now. This is a new level of John I haven't seen before. No. I, mean, I personally think Skyrim doesn't have the story to hold up. Like, it's just not engaging enough. But yeah. if you just completely disregard the story, How just make you. your own life in Skyrim. How dare you? Whatever, like, just do I, whatever else except the main story. I feel like I've been so engaged that I've lost, like, eight hours I of my life. So, that, I mean, that's, that's pretty hard to I'm do. I'm shocked that Skyrim doesn't have a good enough story to you. The main story. You don't... Mm. Nicole, you were in a cart... <laughs> You were trying to cross the border. You just ascend too quickly. No, you you were trying to cross. That is weird in Skyrim. Yeah. Even when I was like yeah. playing it in 2011, I was like, I am just a guy and I barely escaped execution. Now I'm the god. Yeah. I'm the god <laughs> king of Sky. That's so weird. No, but like John brings up a great point, which is like, what is the goal of a timeless game? Is the t- is the goal of a timeless game is that the score that someone would have written, like IGN writes an 88 for Skyrim in 2011. If you gave it to someone and you said, how was that? And they'd say, oh, it's a 9 out of 10. Like, is that what you're going for? Is it something that someone can play and still gleam a valuable experience out of? Mm-hmm. John's asking the real questions mm-hmm. here. Allie looks like she wants to say something. Well, I was trying to think of a first-person game, and the only one that I can think of that could be considered timeless is maybe Bioshock? Maybe? Mm-hmm. And I know that that's kind of a weird take coming for me. Like because, dystopias in general, because they're like removed. Yeah, exactly. And also it's kind of making a political take, especially Bioshock Infinite. It's still holds Hold, up. Yo, uh, I, okay. <laughs> I, okay, this is coming from someone who has not personally played it. Everyone who listens to this podcast for more than one episode knows that I am a cozy gamer. I'm sorry, you're not, right, you're right. I'm sorry. I have not played these games. I watched other people play these games, so maybe my memory I is think, a little fuzzy. Well, because I, I was just going to say is that, I'm so sorry, I did mansplained. I'm about to mansplain. <laughs> uh, is this the first mansplaining on this podcast? Uh, I don't know. Uh-huh. Listen, sweetie. So no, I'm kidding. But like, I think all. Well, I think the one in Infinite R two maybe is or isn't. If you think two is political, write in the comments oh, down below. Oh, I thought you meant timeless. No, but I, Bioshock One is way more political than Infinite. Yeah, is, for sure, because it's like bullying one specific writer, which I think is a really, like, interesting concept of a game. But, like, Bioshock doesn't play well. Really? See, I haven't played it. Because I was just replaying it last year, and then I tried to replay it, like, what, two days ago, and I said, I don't know where I am, and I turned it off. But, (laughs) like, Bioshock 1, the the gunplay, the movement, does not feel good. The the world is what you're playing. That's the other thing about games. Mm Mm-hmm. It's like sometimes you play a game and you're like, I'm playing for the world. Mm-hmm. I'm playing for the story. All the time people are like, oh, the game isn't fun, but like, I need to know what happens next. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm uncharted one through four. <laughs> uh, but I'm sorry. No, that's how I feel with Bioshock. Like, I could never, ever play it. It scares me too much. And I, when I'm watching other people play it, I skip through the scary parts. <laughs> but I need to know what happens. So I will watch other people play it and skip through the scary parts. So, yeah, so, like, so you're saying the story holds up really well and the overarching narrative you think holds up super well, like whether, yeah. when it was released to now and yeah. just like maybe the mechanics are The whole premise rough. of Bioshock is the twist. And if you play it, you know the twist. Oh. You play it again. I feel like I'm still sucked into the world. So like 
in my opinion, still holds up. Because, like, if I'm sucked in, I know who the bad guy is. I know what the twist is going to be. There's not going to be, like, a, like, rip it out from under me moment. And in making... I just still love it. Making, like, a political statement or, like, the game being its own political manifesto, responding to or criticizing or whatever, like, those games are, is, like, you kind of almost timeless yourself in a way because, like, politics and history will always be relevant as long as we're alive. It's like the Mm -hmm. 1984 video games. (laughs) (laughs) Blacked out. That statement made me black out. I was like, I I really don't. (laughs) I just meant things like 1984 criticizing. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Like 1984 is as important now as it was. I totally understand. (laughs) <laughs> Whoa! It's also like a big meme right now to say everything is like 1984. Like you disagree or something. So I was just like so <laughs> overloaded. But so I feel like we have talked a lot about games. Yeah. Not so much about anime. Oh. And you had mentioned Andy anime just like a minute, like a little bit ago. Yeah. Yeah. What? I feel like this one is super hard for me because there's so much with anime like what would make an anime feel time is it even possible for an anime to feel timeless you know you know what i mean the problem of subjectivity comes to it because you can have objective facts and be like this is still as important now as it was or at least deserves to be in the conversation now people would be like no it was mid Mm -hmm. it was mid i didn't like it i think like one of the greatest examples i don't think it's timeless by any stretch of the imagination i also haven't watched past like the first 30 episodes but like you still see kids who are like teenagers or preteen wearing Naruto merch, mm-hmm. <laughs> like high grade Naruto merch. I think that like tells you that anime has a way different lifespan mm-hmm. than games do because Naruto isn't for me. Mm-hmm. But but like I almost exclusively this is a, a great convergence point because you guys watch a lot of different kinds of things. Nicole likes a lot of like modern anime, and I'm like almost strictly an old school anime person. Yeah. So I think all of them are timeless. <laughs> I'm a maniac. But like story is key in like relatability. One of my favorite timeless, and it's technically a film, but it's an anime film, Akira. I think Akira is perfect. Yes. Still. I think it'd be very hard to poke holes in Akira. Another dystopia. Another dystopia. Mm-hmm. I'm sensing a thing. I'm sensing a thing. <laughs> <laughs> the word of the day. Dystopia. <laughs> I mean, dystopia is everywhere. Well, yeah. Dystopia is hot. But John turned into a marketing exec for a second. He's like, how do we get the kids to love dystopia? (laughs) Tell the time. Throw a little bit of capitalism in. Ooh, John, are we bringing it back? No, 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 no. No more capitalism talking today. Um, But, so you said Naruto. And so I think that with, like, Naruto and One Piece, I, I, like, don't know how to, like, gauge things like that. Because sure. in my mind, you know, Naruto is still... Everyone still wears Naruto merch. Right, It, yeah. it like, never went away. Because, like, now Boruto's going. That's a good like, point. Like, One Piece it has been going straight for 20-some years. Yeah, can I get an episode count on One Piece? Or a thousand, it's over a thousand. Seriously? It's over a thousand. Did you hear about this? Yeah, they just hit a thousand. You can't see a face on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it just hit a thousand recently. So it's like... Is it still actively in the cultural consciousness? Yeah, right. but it never went away. So that's like, fair. That's fair. Like, how how would these things fare if that you actually got to sit on it for a while and not have it now s- slowly injected into you at every turn? I will say, as a counter to this, and I really am. I feel like I'm talking a lot, so I'm gonna try and take a backseat. But I will say that Gundam has been running for forty years, almost every year. <laughs> And the only people that like Gundam are, like, bitter old dudes who just argue about which one's the best. So, like, if you walk up to a kid and you go, hey, you watching Gundam? They're like, what'd you call me? I think you have a great point, but there's, like, is and isn't. Because, like, dude, Fullmetal Alchemist Brotherhood. Yeah. Like, when was the last Fullmetal Alchemist anything? Yeah, probably, like, early 2010s, right? right? Yeah, and still, I mean, that still is, like, in the conversation of goats. Yeah. Greatest of all times, for sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Ellie, I feel like you had a really good one. 
Yeah, I mean, but it's it's still a movie, though, so I don't know. I mean, movies but are anime. That's yeah, an true. animated movie. Yeah. Okay, fine. Okay. So, like, the Studio Ghibli movies. Like, those ones. That's a good point. They Princess hold up, like, so well. Especially, like, Princess Mononoke. That gets referenced in literally everything. Literally all the time. everything. So, I, I feel like that one holds up with just how much cultural relevance <laughs> it still has. Mm-hmm. My Neighbor Totoro... There are people in Japan who are still singing that lullaby to their children. Like, that is still so important to so many people. And, yeah, I mean, just all of those movies hold up very, very well. I but mean, I, is it because of the animation? I don't know. Like, it is very stylized. The stories are still incredibly relevant. And people still watch them today. And, like, they're younger, just being introduced to them. But it could be that masterpiece effect like you were kind of talking about i don't remember if it was before we started filming or like what but the kind of like that masterpiece effect where are people only still watching it now because they know that it's a masterpiece or is it a masterpiece because people are still watching like i don't know no yeah <laughs> yeah dude yeah it's a lot of deep questions to that. like it's would deep. it would it would something like Princess Mononoke be very well received if it released tomorrow? I think it would. I think, I think it, would. it would. I think it would be like even visually, I don't think people people might say something like it looks retro. Right. But I still think that people would have very positive feelings about it. The appearance thing is is like super interesting because like animation in general, even Western stuff, like it hinges on being on looking good now. Yeah, you know what I mean. So like you look at Akira and you're like, wow, Akira looks great. And you're like, yeah, because they cared. Yeah, back then. If you look at something that has bad animation, it's only because it was bad for the time. Yeah, like the '90s X Men cartoon. If you've ever seen that, the Heck Western, yeah, Heck where it's yeah. like missing frames, like very carelessly thrown together. They're bringing that back. No, they're not. They are no, on Disney not. Plus. Yeah. Oh, oh, I thought you meant they're like doing it again. I was like, well, like they're at, they're continuing it with uh, new episodes. Shut the front door. Get up. Shut. They the door. are. Yeah. There's no way. We have to watch it. Okay. That you were way too into that. So, I was expecting pushback. Sorry. I no, just, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, sorry. I just I, that's off the topic. But yeah, they are made. They are continuing. That's that. so crazy. I'm, I'm pretty positive on Disney Plus. If you know about the X-Men show, comment down below. <laughs> Welcome to Andy's podcast. <laughs> well, because Allie said it like twice in the beginning of the show. And so now I just think it's funny every time there's a little lull to be like, comment and subscribe, fam squad. <laughs> Hit that bell so you get new episodes. Oh my God. <laughs> Make sure to rate us five stars or follow us on wherever you listen to us. I too. never liked that five stars thing. Why do they care? Is that like an ad thing? It's just the algorithm gods. It's for the algorithm but gods. But do like podcast services have algorithms? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. a stupid question. The more highly rated something is, the more likely it is to be recommended. I, gotta have, I have one more bone to pick, John, then we can talk about anime. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what is with everyone calling themselves the number one blank podcast in the world? Because I, I don't know. I was listening to two podcasts in the past yeah. week. I listen to a lot of podcasts. So I act like I'm running one right now. <laughs> but, <laughs> but they both call themselves the number one PlayStation podcast. And I looked it up and I was like, what is number five and what is number three? So who, where are these charts coming from? I'm sorry. I, I don't know. Allie, I, you're a developer. <laughs> I'm, I'm a, I work at a game studio and I don't know anything about podcasters. So. Fair point. We're the number one Thought Bubble podcast. I we agree. are. The number one, dude, we're the only podcast recording during the Super Bowl. No one else is doing podcasts right now. I mean... <laughs> that's true there you go already ahead of the curve I'm so sorry how dare you I know I derailed you really how early John dare you I know I'm so sorry um this is my podcast <laughs> I'm taking charge I'll leave I'll storm out this is also my podcast and I'm taking charge Nicole hasn't shared a timeless anime yet oh true I was just trying to think cause I just like I I just watched like Jujutsu Kaisen and <laughs> <laughs> Kind of VNHA, then like Full Metal Alchemist, of course, would be like my pick, but that's like stereotypical. So I'm like, hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's interesting to talk about JoJo because it tries to 
like plot itself into like these different time periods. So theoretically, like if you're like nostalgic for that time period, maybe it would be timeless for you. I like the um I like part four a lot, which is kind of like early nineties ish, like mm-hmm. late eighties. But it's I don't know, it still doesn't feel timeless. I was trying to think of how I could how I could explain it. Because it's just like it's clunky. It's kind of a little too dreamy. I can't really it's just it's just like kind of like a little funky anime. Yeah. So if you try to date yourself even like even if it's like in the past and like you just try to make it like this dreamy, like abstract feeling. It's still not timeless. You just need something that you could like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can't no. describe it. I, I love JoJo mean. so much, and that's literally my favorite part. And it still just doesn't feel timeless to me. Like I, every time I watch it, I'm like, "This is like whack," but I still love it. But I, if I watch it like 30 years from now, I'm not going to be like, "Oh, I'm going to show the kids these days." JoJo <laughs> 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 Part Four. <laughs> no, I get what you mean because like. Okay, we were talking about this, I don't remember when, but I feel like we had this conversation already. In the first couple Pokemon games, you'll see where I'm going with this in a minute, they designed Pokemon to be like little monsters, right? They're just little monsters. But then they eventually started designing things that were supposed to be Pokemon. So they stopped making monsters and they started making Pokemon. And it's that argument that's like, Okay, if we make it stylized, does that mean that it'll be timeless? Like, Wind Waker, it's still shaded. It's it's timeless now because, you know, it can't be aged. But, like, the newer Pokemon, they look like... Like, you look at it and you're like, that's a Pokemon. But you look at older Pokemon you're like, oh, it's a little monster, a little pocket monster. <laughs> so I feel like, is that what you mean by JoJo? Like, they're trying too hard to be stylized, where it almost is like, oh, they're just trying to be timeless at this point. Like, they're trying to be stylish. Yeah. So, like, almost, like, like future-proof it? The, the dialogue, the music, the, like, style, the color choice, especially. They, like, they like shift the colors to just, like, these, like, neon, like, retro colors oh. all the time. Mm-hmm. So, like, if a, if like, if I was playing a game and it was, like, s- retro the entire time, I'd be like, this is kind of cool. But, like, with anime, I feel like you're just more picky. Yeah. Yeah. I don't I, know why. I feel like we're in an interesting time with anime, too, because if you look at a lot of the really popular shows coming out right now, you know, like the Demon Slayers, yeah. the Attack on Titans, the Jujutsu Kaisens, I think they're all very well anime. You know, like, mm-hmm. older animes... They have a lot of dead frames, you know, yes. just still, yes. Im- like, Naruto is egregious. It'll be, like, a <laughs> minute of just nothing moving, except maybe Photoshop. a character. Yeah, it, it's just a still frame yeah. for minutes. But now, like, I know neither of you have watched the most recent season of uh, Demon Slayer you yet. You gotta call us out. Look, <laughs> look, I, it's no shade. <laughs> but, like, I bring it up because... The animation in that, in this season, is ridiculous. And I don't see how... Ridiculous bad or ridiculous good? It's terrible. No, it's oh. amazing. It's oh. literally one he of the... He really did like a 90 skater I... thing where he was like, it was sick. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know what that means. But it's ridiculously good. And I don't... Like, it's movie quality the entire season, I would Whoa. say. And so, I don't see that, like, aging poorly. You, you know what I mean? But maybe it could. I don't I, I don't know. But because there aren't dead frames like there used to be, where it's like, oh, this is Naruto. Well, like, the rough. It's like, it's like too distracting. If it's too distracting, it takes you out and that instantly, like, loses you. Yeah. So, like, it just has to draw you in. Like, it can, like, it can be, like, not perfect for a few minutes or so. It, or, like, like, one scene. Yeah. But, like, it just has to keep you. It goes back to, like, the skill of the animator. Because Evangelion has a lot of dead frames. Yeah. I'm the biggest Evangelion but, simp in the world. Yeah. And there's a there's this frame, because I was re-watching one of them, and there's a frame where they walk by people, and they're frozen people. But they're, like, in the background, and you're like, you can almost, like, they almost got away with it. But, like, yeah, if Naruto is just, like, standing. A lot of animes do that. And his mouth is just moving. Instead of people in the background. Just no, like but standing. I mean, like, I mean, like, the distance from me to you. Is that you're static and I'm the main character and the camera's like, like right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry, you can't see it. But like the the background characters are five feet behind the main character and they're just like frozen like you know? 
I did another visual thing. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, is there... John, do you think there's an... Like, games are always going to look better and better, and so you can look back and they age based on that. Is anime going to hit a ceiling, you think? Where it's impossible to look back on a... On a sh- like, you look back on K&Y or Jujutsu Kaisen, and you're like, this is fluid, this is solid the whole way through. It's like... You know, like, we're not, there's not going to be static frames. I mean, there may be, I don't know. Yeah. But like, you know, you're not going to have the same problems that you had in the 80s and 90s. I don't. It's a question for Mr. Thoughtbubble. Well, dude, I even look at, like, the most the most care put into the Evangelion fight scenes, and I'm like, that's, like, <laughs> the sexiest looking animation I've ever it's seen. It's true. That's because I'm, like, so drawn into it. Like, it doesn't, No, you're right. It, like, I guess they would just go 3D. They just, <laughs> like, that would be the next step, I it, guess. It's but, like, like the original Star Wars. Animation can only get so fluid. And, yeah, and then you just have to start stylizing it. Like I, I, I know Kanway enough to say that like all the little, their little um styles, like yeah. Tanjiro's like water style, like that's super stylized, and it's like, like even sometimes maybe like in my memory, it's like kind of like jerky water, like it go, like goes frame to frame, but it like mm. looks so cool, mm-hmm. like it it just looks like kind of like game game water I think, yeah. around his sword and I then everything they do else use is 3D fluid. For, yeah and no. then everything else is fluid animation but the water just looks like like just an effect that you would see in a game and it's cool they're like mixing it one last mixing question I will toss towards Mr. Thought Bubble and, and Mr. Thought Bubble and Mrs. Nicole not Thought Bubble <laughs> what about Mrs. Thought Bubble and Mrs. Thought Bubble <laughs> Mrs. Thought Bubble is very surprisingly quiet because normally she's always firing back you know John's really putting her through the ringer <laughs> talking about Arceus and all this stuff, and then she's like, fire back. Arceus? Arceus, I apologize. Uh, anime, you're on strike too. I know, I really am. <laughs> anime is like, it's this super difficult thing too, where like, with JoJo, and like talking about style and stylizing, is that if it's not an OVA, like OVAs, like they often, like if you look at stuff from 2006, like they all fit into a very similar, like slender art style that was popular at the time. But like, yeah, everything that's being adapted comes from someone who has their own, like, real-life art style, and that's animators trying to match that. Mm-hmm. So, like, when Chainsaw Man comes out this year, or next year, whenever Chainsaw Man comes out... This year, question mark? Yeah, it's going to, like... Sure, it might have similarities to other animes, but it's working with this very surrealist style that, like, this dude invented. Yeah. You know, and, like, a lot of animes show that, so it adds, like, another layer of complexity. Mm-hmm. Mrs. Thought Bubble. True. Have you considered this? <laughs> Tell me your thoughts. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. That makes me think about Fruits Basket and how they... Now we're talking. Now we're talking. <laughs> well, like, the animators, they had to match the art style that Takia wanted to have. Because she... If you look at Fruits Basket, in Volume 1, it looks absolutely nothing like the anime that came out in Seriously? 2019. Yeah, no, it looks yeah. totally oh. different art style. And she even commented, she had said... Like, oh, I wish I could have designed the characters this way with a little bit more muscle, but I didn't know how to draw muscle. And then she Mm. even went through some type of surgery halfway through her making the entire manga, and she changed her art style entirely. And so the animators, like, she just entirely changed the style. And so the animators, when they ended up doing the anime, they had to go based off of her dream of what she wanted it to look like, also kind of mixed in with what it looks like towards the last volume. That's actually really cool. Mm-hmm. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. So they weren't matching her. They were matching a vision. And so they had to come up with their own style with it. And they held up with it throughout yeah. all three seasons. They yeah. did a really good job with it, in my opinion. Are there times where it's just still frames? and? But that's yeah, not... But that's, that just happened. That's yeah. not... Like, I, I say it like it's this egregious... Naruto does it egregiously. I'll be honest with that. <laughs> like, some, it's not that noticeable with Fruits Basket, though. Because if you do it in a smart way, right. it doesn't take it doesn't detract from the experience, I feel. Like, because, you know, there, there's still frames in live-action movies. Like, okay. they're, they're... I know, I'm the worst. <laughs> I'll leave. Uh, but, like, there's still frames in live-action movies when Captain America is just talking, you know? Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Like, it, it sometimes is just the best choice. So, that's not, like, the best barometer, I suppose. But if the story holds up, I feel like, you know, I don't know if I could go back and watch something like, I don't know, 
Yu Yu Hakusho, like, if I if I had not watched it as a kid, I don't know if I would have been able to go back to watch Yu Yu Hakusho. Interesting. But something like Hunter Hunter is timeless. For sure, right? I think so. I don't know. That's had two animes, so I feel like... Yes. Yeah, you want to lean towards. Yes. I was. I want to lean towards. Yes, but I couldn't watch. I wouldn't be able to watch the first Hunter Hunter because I just can't. Now, that's personally. I don't know if that's a timeless thing. I can't stand the way it looks. Now, yeah. John, I have a, I have a great question because I really want to explore this. Really diving deeper into the psychology of this man. Oh, oh, this fragile man. <laughs> no, <I'm kidding. laughs> no, no, no. Um, but like, I'm scared. Taking this to the ultimate extreme, right? Yeah. Bringing back into my wheelhouse. No, I'm kidding. But like, Mobile Suit Gundam, yeah. 1979. When anime is in its infancy of like, what anime really is. Yeah. You know what I mean? The themes of that show parallel a lot of other Gundam series. Yeah. So my question is, if I showed you, if I gave you like two options, I go here or like three, and I was like, here's 1979, here's 1993, and here's 2009. Yeah. Like, do you think you'd be able to connect to them equally, or do you think it would be you're leaning towards 2009, maybe 1999, and then 1979, you're like, it's lost. Personally, like, and this is an issue with me, like, and it brings into the whole subjectivity of everything. Sure, yeah. I have a tough time with old movies, old shows, old anime. How old is old? Like, I have a tough time watching A New Hope. Like, Star Wars, A New Hope. Oh, that's so disappointing to me. (laughs) That makes me so sad. Like, not my show, sorry. (laughs) No, no, no. But, but like, I have a tough time even... Because A New Hope, it's, it's... old, in quotation marks. It's not that old in the grand scheme of things, though. Right, yeah. But, like, that era is about when I start losing it. Like, something as far back as, like, the 90s, I can, like, I'm pretty okay. pretty decent with, you know, uh, okay. like, obviously, or anything past the 90s. Sure. But, like, 80s, 70s, I start getting, like... Easy. I, I can't... I have a tough time watching it because I'm, I know what it would look like now. Y- y- you know what I mean? So I would lean towards okay. 2009. Interesting. Sure. Okay. Sure. Like I'm much more open-minded about games, but like games aren't as old as as anime. Exactly. Yeah. For and, sure. And it's a complete older games have their own style because it's pixels and like that's its own art form. It's not like you're comparing. Y- you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And then I grew up with early 3D, and so. John's a picky bastard. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what I got. Well, John, or, well <laughs> Allie, that's like a similar question. Where like, I mean, Gundam, like that's not really your thing, obviously. Like, it's no one's thing. Let's be real. But like, <laughs> something with a similar generational gap to it. Yeah. Where like, if I sh- like, if it was something where like this anime has three thematic versions, 1980, 1990, 2000. Would you be able to connect to the story in 1980 and be like, I still relate to this, I still like it? Or would you just be like, eh, I want to trend towards the, the higher up? It's a very subjective question, so I'm sorry. No, yeah. No. It is. And I have the opposite problem of John, where instead of looking at anything that's older and just being like, oh, well, I just never connect to anything that's old. I don't look at art and think, oh, that's super old. Like, I just... right. I just look at it for what it is, and if the story is good enough that I can get immersed, then that's all it takes, and I will fill in the gaps with my imagination. And so I can look at, like, any older anime, and it doesn't matter what it looks like. If I'm immersed, then I will fill in the gaps, and I will imagine it to be something entirely different than it was, and, like, much higher quality, Mm -hmm. to the point where half the time, voice acting doesn't even affect it. Like, I genuinely forget if I listen to something... Sub or dub. I don't remember. Sure, yeah. Because I was just that immersed that I don't even remember if I was reading subtitles the entire time. This I have no idea. This totally goes back to Nicole's like Silent Hill thing about mm-hmm. about timeless video games. Where I... she was like, it sets you up enough that your brain fills in the gaps of like what's yeah. what like what's really there. Well, I just Silent Hill's voice acting is like in English, Silent Hill 2 is absolutely atrocious if you look at it. You were almost a Jill Sandwich. <laughs> 
if you look at it, I guess, objectively, like, it's just so bad. And it just sounds like they just pull people off the street and they're like, please try to act. And they're like, I can't. And they're like, you have to. We have your family. We have a gun to them. Please voice act. Like, that's what it sounds like. But then, like, I just, I love it so much because it's so like freakish and like unnatural and like uncanny almost voice acting Mm because it's like that bad that it just like i love it (laughs) like i wouldn't i couldn't imagine it with good voice acting so like it doesn't matter the voice acting some sometimes as long as it like adds something yeah surrealism messes with it versus shenmue when he goes do you know where I could find any sailors around here and you're like what kind of line is that that (laughs) shenmue shenmue Oh, we got to have a talk oh, about no. Shenmue. <laughs> oh, John, invite us back to talk about Shenmue. Okay, I mean, that, okay. That's a day of conversation. An, an entire episode <laughs> is to Shenmue. Oh, my God. But, yeah, I don't know. I, I like, I front sometimes, like, I'm, you know, graphics blind and visual blind, but I'm super not. I, like, Xenoblade. When we first played Xenoblade on the Wii... Andy is nodding. <laughs> I, knew, I knew we had to talk about Xenoblade eventually, right? <laughs> Inevitable. Inevitable. Andy makes fun of us because we love Xenoblade so much. <laughs> yeah. And in which we just had an episode talking all about the Xenoblade 3 trailer that was revealed at, during the Nintendo Direct. So check that out. Uh, but anyways, shameless plug. Uh, when... Allie, you introduced me to Xenoblade while we were in college. Oh, I didn't, yeah. <laughs> I'd never heard of Xenoblade before. You, like, sh- showed me the Wii version. And I actively did not like the Wii version. Andy's making a face. I didn't know on. that! I yeah. thought John was just the Xenoblade guy. No! I Allie is John. super Xenoblade. Allie is the Xenoblade girl, and she brought me into the Xenoblade world. This is crazy. Yeah. yeah. I couldn't play Xenoblade on the Wii, like, at all. Like, it, the mechanics were rough, the visuals were rough, Whoa. in my opinion. And other people would dispute that, you know? Sure. A lot of people like the Wii <laughs> graphics. No, uh, yeah, it was pretty bad. And so I just could not get into it, because I the characters were uncanny. But then uh. the second you bring the exact same game, the exact same story, the exact same characters, but with... Slightly updated graphics, slightly a complete overhaul in graphics, right? And slightly updated gameplay. I now love that Xenoblade game, mm-hmm. and so like, edition. so like that's a game that I is it timeless? I I probably not because I literally could not play it on the Wii. Right, it it's took felt, a new addition to become like yeah yeah like a complete realized. overhaul. Okay, for it to be a game that I can appreciate just how amazing and like i can't appreciate how revolutionary such a huge game was on the wii but like it was lost on me at the time but i i feel like we have covered a lot of ground yeah all over the place i loved it it was such a fun conversation no yeah third eyes open for sure i'm gonna levitate out of here (laughs) (laughs) well then that'll do it for this week's episode of Thoughtcast. And so, if you like this kind of content and you want to see more of it coming from this channel, make sure to like the video, subscribe, and why even ring that notification bell so you never miss another upload. And if you want to hear more of Andy and Nicole, let let us know. Hit the bell, guys. Comment down below, please. (laughs) John's paying me these bucks, man. You gotta hit that bell. I'm really really hurting. Uh, Let's be honest. Allie's paying you. (laughs) Let's be honest. She's the business savvy one. <laughs> uh, but, and as always, rate us five stars, follow us, so do whatever you can wherever you listen to us because it is always appreciated and it helps us be in good favor with the algorithm gods. <laughs> they're making fun of my hand just... They? There's no they. It's just one person. <laughs> who shall remain nameless. Nicole. <laughs> But as always, I hope you have a fantastic rest of your day, a fantastic rest of your week, and why not even a fantastic rest of your month, and we will see you next week. Later. See ya.